Welcome back to Tag Team, everyone. The Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. I'm your host, J.W. Crewall, and today we've got a solo episode for you. That's right. If you thought that intro sounded a little weird, you would be correct. The first time I think I've ever done the intro in one of these podcasting episodes, but Super excited to be here with you guys today. Riley is sleeping, I think. As of this moment, he's been working 12-hour shifts for what seems to be, what, the last couple of weeks? And so he's out of he's out of business tonight, out of commission. I'm going to take a little nap and get ready for tomorrow, which is, again, from what I understand, a very hard day for him. So you got me. Here we are. Back, mano e mano, and uh, let's just run over the schedule for today. So, got a lot of topics to talk about today, or topics that we can get to. We'll see how how far we get on our list, but um, have some collaboration hype that I would love to talk a little bit more about. We got battle styles coming out in a few weeks, but I promised Riley that we would talk over that set together. So, if you're looking for battle styles reviews, look for that next week. I was able to find myself some Shining Fates. I'll talk about that as well as the card of the day. A little bit of Scorch testing results. And maybe a word or two about content creation and finish it all up with some user questions. So pose that to the chat, guys, if you have any questions out there that you'd like me to answer. When we get around to it, please drop them in the chat. So we're going to start out today with the biggest news. Pokemon 25. The concert was last week fantastic event with post malone i thought it was truly um one of a kind i mean it was it was very special i watched it and i was just i can't believe that i'm seeing post malone one of our generation's biggest artists and pokemon sharing the same space together that was truly unbelievable because for most of my life in Pokemon, right? They just haven't been that open with their IP. Pokemon has grown to be this like massive, massive brand. I mean, the people that that think of Pokemon as as just this this little piece of a larger puzzle, well no, I mean, it it is the puzzle in a sense. Pokemon is a massive brand, but they've always been very tight with their IP, their intellectual property. And this Post Malone concert just really represented what I hope to be maybe a new era of Pokemon. We already kind of started to see it. Uh, I, I think one of the first things that made me think, okay, Pokemon is opening up a little bit, is when they finally started to do, well, Pokemon Go was a huge one, when they finally started to do mobile gaming. And then we got into some weird things like uh, the, the Magikarp jump game, which I shamelessly played for about a month and a half. Uh, and then we've seen, you know, Pokemon Masters and uh, finally Pokemon Unite being this kind of League of Legends-esque game that I think will, again, really propel Pokemon into spheres that it just hasn't ever been before. And so wrapping that back around to Post Malone, it was amazing to see this artist, massive artist, collaborate with Pokemon in a way that was new, fresh, exciting, interesting, 
amazing. I mean, it, downright amazing. I was so happy that uh, it happened, and I can't wait to see if more things like this happen. I mean, obviously, it was a very special event. Pokemon 25, 25 years of Pokemon. They had to make it kind of an ordeal, but who knows? I mean, maybe this opens the door to more collaborations, more unique settings for for Pokemon. I, I couldn't be happier. We've already seen this year Pokemon 25, uh, obviously continuing the McDonald's tradition, but also doing some collabs with General Mills. And we, we've even seen the Levi's collaboration, uh, among other things. So again, Pokemon seems to be, from my time in the game to now, seems to have opened up what they are allowing the company, you know, the, the inner workings of the company to do with the brand image. And I think that'll make for some more exciting things in the future. Speaking of exciting things, I was able to get my hands on some Shining Fates. Some Shining Fates. I was able to get my hands on some Shining Fates, courtesy of Full Grip Games. Thank you guys so much for sponsoring me and the podcast. Uh, it was amazing. I got to open a couple of products, one of them being the Dedenne box set and the other being one of the Eldegoss tins. Um, they were just very kind to send that to me. Nine packs in total of Shining Fates that, I mean, crazy stuff right now. I can't even find it at my local game store. They sell out in, you know, hours at the local game store and in minutes at the local Target and Walmart. So I was just super happy to get some Shining Fates and not a set that I really open. I've talked a lot on the podcast about how I just don't really collect for the sake of collecting. I know that there are a lot of you guys listening out there that that's maybe one of the main ways that you interact with the Pokemon franchise. You know, we collect and then, and then maybe we also play on the side, but that that's definitely not the way that I approach uh, the game, you know, certainly or the cards, I should say, certainly I am a player first and then I, I collect what I receive mostly from, uh, from playing. So I think, you know, I, I have maybe the most, one of the most expensive things in my collection was something that I just was, it's just like, I'll hold on to this, you know, don't need to sell it. I'll just hold on to it and whatever. I'll, I'll just toss it kind of in a, in a closet, in a box, like not even displayed. And that is my evolutions booster box. Saw somewhere the other day that it had risen above a thousand dollars. I think it's, I think it's come back a little bit from that, but certainly it, it has hit a, hit a high. And that was something that I could have gotten rid of in 2016 for 50 bucks and felt good. In fact, I did at one point have two evolutions booster boxes, sold one 2016 for 50 bucks. So how about that? <laughs> but it was great to open this uh, set. Once again, I, I never opened any Hidden Fates. Like I was all off of the Hidden Fates train. I was like, ah, you know what? Who needs a Charizard? I got a few of those lying around. But they really did themselves, I think, with Shining Fates. I mean, Hidden Fates, also a great set, like very well-produced. But one of the things that really excited me about Shining Fates was the quality of the Amazing Rare. I don't, again, first time opening Hidden Fates, or first time opening Shining Fates, didn't open any Hidden Fates. So I had no idea 
about you know the quality of these cards in these shining sets and the amazing rares are unbelievable thank you so much dylan for the four months Infinity subscription beyond. they are absolutely unbelievable you you look at the texturing on the card and it's it's the energy symbols are raised the amazing rare splash is raised you got to get them you got to get them if you don't have a playset or or at least one of each kind of the amazing rares do it now before the price goes up to 100 bucks each do it while they're still 20 dollars. i beg you because these things have so much potential absolutely ridiculous looking cards uh, and if you can get it graded i mean sure there that's a whole like wormhole i guess we can go down grading psa has recently upped their prices of grading now instead of ten dollars a card it's twenty dollars a card i think some people might look at that and say ah you know they're taking advantage of all these people sending in their cards but i would actually say maybe not maybe it's the opposite maybe they're just getting overrun with cards at this point because it doesn't really make sense to lower their prices right because they have plenty of competitors now in that space you got bgs you got C cgc so there's no real reason for them to say hey you know what let's just up our prices right other than they are just being overrun so many people have cards in with psa right now they are just not receiving them back for months six months seven months i heard one person is still waiting nine months later for their card and that's insane that is absolute insanity i i, I could never have have uh, foreseen this but something to look out for if you are thinking about sending in your cards to get graded big debate on what looks better bgs i think is kind of the de facto third place and really psa is the maybe the gold standard versus the newcomer cgc and how they look i personally like the subgrades on the cgc but i also like just that classic style of psa it might prove to be a little dated you know 10 20 years in the future for now i i'm really digging the classic look of that psa that just is pretty much all i know in terms of grading how a graded card should look like you know how it should feel because apparently there's a little bit of textural difference on the cases that both of the companies ship their cards in so it's cool i i am so happy that the game is getting this kind of traction but maybe i don't know if it translates necessarily to the card game and that's the biggest concern i think for a lot of of players and uh maybe even for you know uh, competitive teams right the the people that are trying to cultivate competitive gameplay like how do we convert these people from buying the packs to playing the game and i feel like they've done due diligence you know, you look at the TCGO codes. Those things come in every single pack that you buy. They don't take sets off. They haven't taken a set off since 2010, right? When they were first released. 
And they come in every pack. And yet, there are collectors that have no idea that they can be used to play the game. No idea. I, I go into streams all the time and I see, you know, they're just like nonchalantly throwing the code away. I saw one very big streamer that's just, oh, these actually do something else? They were shocked when someone in chat told them, oh yes, that code card that you hold in your hand is worth 70 cents, 80 cents. How do you convert them? I don't know. That's a that's a question bigger than me. Uh, certainly, I like to think that I'm part of the solution, maybe a small part. Just, again, the more content that we have out, the better. Try to draw in people from all different walks. I do get a chance to talk with some. Uh, I have a few coaching clients that are former Magic players. Talk to them in the past, coming over to Pokemon because they like the ease of card um, you know, production is just way easier to get better cards in Pokemon than it is Magic. I mean, that's that's a huge draw for a lot of people. Um, and I think, you know, really Pokemon is playing right into that. You look at the, at the sets that they're releasing. You look at the, yeah, just the way that they release the cards, right? Like none of the chase cards are really that good, right? They're not making competitive Charizards for the most part. Uh, but then the league battle decks, huge. I, I think this is this is what we've been waiting for. You know, we we were waiting for this in you know 2013, 2014. Like, please, Pokemon, come out with some of the products that they have in Japan. You know, Japan tends to have more of these, you know, trainer toolkit-esque uh best of expanded or or X and Y, you know, these kinds of collection boxes that just come with the standard staples. And we've never really had that until this last year. And it was mind-blowing um, just how much of an impact that those could have, or, or at least the potential that those presented. I think it was a stunning move. Stunning move for Pokemon. I have a comment here in the, in the chat that says, something I always wondered about big YouTubers is they give away all the codes. Yeah, they do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, the bigger YouTubers, they probably give the codes away more, um, more, more for their audience. You know, they, they know that their audience will just eat it up. Like that, that's great. That's a really nice thing to, to kind of give back to your audience when you're that big of a creator. Um, and they know that they, I think, I think the difference maybe between a Leonhart or a real breaking Nate is that they, they know that the game exists, right? They know the trading card game exists, but that's not, just not really their thing necessarily. Um, whereas I, I see other, other people getting into, you know, opening packs and things like this on their streams. And they just, they just have no idea that the card game like is, is actually played. Like it's just shiny cardboard to them and not actually a game. So that said, we're all doing our part in this content creation biosphere for Pokemon. Um, I've been watching a lot of, well, Maybe not a lot, but when I can fit in time between my schooling. I've been watching Yu-Gi-Oh! content creators trying to figure out what makes the Yu-Gi-Oh! realm of content creation maybe more uh, attractive or or 
more well engaged with than Pokemon. Because again, Pokemon's this global brand. The VGC, you have a lot of players. Eh, maybe not a lot, but you have a handful of players. I can name a handful of players. Maybe a dozen players that are all, you know, full-time VGC content creators. I can name two TCG content creators that are, that I like can guarantee are full-time. A few are in that, you know, middle zone where it's like, well, you're not really sure unless you look at the analytics, but it's just wild to me that there are, yeah, that there is a, um, such a discrepancy, such a discrepancy just with how big the brand is and everything that Pokemon organized play has done to push the game and be, you know, in the hands of, of competitors. I, I think they've done a really great job and it's just kind of a head scratcher on my end uh, as a content creator. Like how can we get more people into this game, plugged into this game? And maybe it just comes down to, we don't have the right personalities or, or the right people just haven't been doing this long enough, right? Creating the content for long enough. Um, but I think it takes a whole army, right? It takes the people listening at home to um, boost the content of the players that you like, you know? I mean, really like gaining traction, uh, more interaction, pushing it out to uh, to people, you know, via the YouTube algorithm, commenting, liking, all that, et cetera, et cetera. You know, being a good, I call it being a good YouTube citizen um, or, or being a good Twitter citizen. A, a Twitizen, if you will. <laughs> uh, but it just takes, you know, uh, more engagement, I guess, is kind of the thing, right? Because if somebody uh, says, oh, hey, I like this, and then it goes out to their friends, and they say, oh, I had no idea this, this existed. You know, it's, it's that kind of cascading waterfall effect. Um, that we're, we're really trying to push. I mean, that's that's... Well, we're here. That's what we're doing. We're trying to find new audiences to bring them in. And, and maybe they don't like the, maybe they don't like the competitive play necessarily, or, or maybe they only like playing, um, you know, meme decks or, or maybe they only like playing tier one decks. I think we have enough creators in the game right now is an amazing time for creators. We are just exploding. I think with the ideas that some of our creators have, the, the trajectory that some of the TCG creators are on is, is, is encouraging, but it's just, we're, we're not there yet, you know, just generally as a game. And so, yeah, just trying to do things that get more people involved. Um, certainly is the goal of this podcast. You know, you, you know, us as, as being players that, um, care deeply about the growth of the game, you know, us as players that really want to see the game blossom, uh, in a competitive sense. And, you know, maybe somebody gets hooked into that, right? They see the, the podcast are like, Oh, Hey, this is what come, comes up when I search Pokemon trading card game. And, uh, you know, maybe I don't necessarily love tag team or, or maybe I do, maybe I'm a fan. You know, I get, <laughs> it was amazing that LinkedIn, uh, call that I gave a couple of weeks ago. I had a lot of people like, Hey, big fan of the show. Heard your, heard your, uh, heard your podcast, heard you, you know, wanted to connect and like, that's great. You know, that's awesome. But Hey, maybe they come in via the podcast, they go out to some other content creator and then they found a home, uh, with somebody else, but and doing our part to try to yeah, push that game. And I think we all kind of play a role in that. So that's enough about content creation. I, I said we were only going to speak a little bit about it, but it ended up being like 10 minutes. So card of the day, for this week, I'm holding it right in my hands. You guys know I've been 
building a heart gold soul silver cube. And my big goal right now is to try to reverse hollow the whole thing. So everything in reverse. And this is a challenge for a couple of reasons. The cards are 10 years old or, or more, you know, released in about 2010. But what's really kind of challenging about Rev hollowing the cube is that the cards bend an unbelievable degree. Like this set is notorious. This, and I would say the hollows of black and white are two of the sets that I think back on and I think, oh yeah, those are problem sets, right? Those had hollows or, or reverse hollows that just bent like a, like a C over time. And so, you know, a lot of people just have these hollows that really aren't in good shape. And so trying to find an adequate copy to put in the cube is really a challenge, really is a challenge, but it's fun. You know, I, I do, I do find it fun. Uh, this is my first big collecting adventure and, um, it's cool. I, I want to maybe not do it all over pandemic and try to find some in the wild. Cause that to me has always fascinated me. I, back when we had regionals and this was a particularly big thing, I want to say around 2015 or 2016, but the trade up game. So if you never heard about the trade up game, it's essentially trading a paperclip for a house, right? You hear that story on TikTok or YouTube, you know, Hey, I, I took this paperclip. I traded that paperclip for a stick of gum. I traded that stick of gum for a Lamborghini, traded that Lamborghini for a house. Boom, paperclip the house. And so I think that'd be, yeah, that'd be great. I don't want, I don't want to just buy everything online. Is that, is that cheating? In a way, yes. In a way, no. Um, you know, because, you know, in my defense, we don't have IRL events. So who am I supposed to trade with? Cut me some slack. On the other hand, it would be nice to try to find some of these things, trade for them with the person, kind of get to know their story. Cause I think a lot of these cards, one of the things that I miss about trading, I never really did too much of it, but one of the things I miss about trading is just kind of hearing people's stories. So talking to them saying, Hey, uh, when did you get this card? You know, for some people, especially if you're making more high level trades, uh, when did you get this card can sometimes open up really interesting conversations. Just try it with somebody next time you're at the local game store, but Hey, I pulled this out of a pack five years ago. I went to the target, got a single pack and I pulled this card and it's been very, you know, special to me, but I want to trade it. You know, that you get those kinds of stories, you know, it's something like that. Certainly that wasn't the most heartfelt that it could be, but <laughs> you get the idea. And so in any case, trying to rev out the cube, this brings me all the way back around to the card of the day. I did not forget. And that is, we talked about her on the podcast last week. Kanako Eo with her copycat supporter card from heart gold, soul silver, unbelievable cards. I look at these and I just, 
I think back to it. They're just the nostalgia trip. Absolute nostalgia trip. And if I can describe this copycat supporter for you, we know that there have been a few other copycats. There may even be a legal copycat now. I'm struggling to remember if it was in like a recently rotated set or if it's still in standard and nobody plays it. But we've had copycat in the past. I think there was one in Holland Legends. And then Heart Gold Soul Silver really brings kind of this character to life for me. You see Copycat, they're in Team Rocket Garb, they're imitating a swimmer, they're imitating Professor Elm, and then they're imitating, you know, you essentially as the Pokemon trainer. I think it's just a really special card. Simple card, clean lines, multiple characters, impersonating other characters. I think that's that's really fun to me. Must be why I like Mimikyu. Pokemon imitating another Pokemon. But that is card of the day. Bringing me back to my younger days. So as we're heading into our last segment, I just do want to open up the floor to uh, to questions here. If you got any questions, shoot them into the chat. I'll make sure to get to them if I can. But the last thing I wanted to talk about today was uh, Players Cup 3. I've been doing some testing for the second stage. Both Riley and I made it Ten months into stage two. Quarantine time for sure. And thank you so much to Bortmelk for the 10 months. Unbelievable. <laughs> Says quarantine time for sure. Uh, what a what a great time to get into the world of Flex Daddy. But I've been doing some testing for Players Cup 3. Riley, myself, Andrew, the squad, all made it in. And I'm trying to figure out what I want to play. So I decided to give Santa Scorch uh, some significant testing. I might even put a video out on it, maybe over the weekend about my games from stream, but they were atrocious. If you guys were there, you would have seen some of the most unusable hands. And of course, 10 games on the one hand is a small sample size, but on the other, I think you can, you can glean information from 10 games. You can definitely glean information from 10 games. You know, if I'm going into a regionals and you ask me, hey, uh, do you want to take this deck in without any testing or with 10 games of testing? You know, I'm choosing 10 games every time, right? Obviously, I'd like more. Obviously, we can go on the results of others to an extent. But for me, Sendiscourse just did not play well. I drew the worst hands, like, consistently. Like, it was starting hands were, were bad. But then... Mid-game hands were bad. End-game hands were bad. I think one of the worst losses that I took was to an Orbital deck. An Orbital deck. Granted, they played Weakness Guard Energy. But granted, I played Giratina. So I know Giratina maybe isn't the most popular choice right now. I mean, certainly a lot of people play it, but... Certainly there are some that don't. 
in any case, I should have had a field day with that deck. But my opening hand said no. We got into the mid game. My mid game hand said no. And we just kind of lost out from there. So some will be screaming right now. They'll be like, JW, you're manipulating the meta when you say a deck is bad. I say, you know what? I just, we've been saying it on the stream and on the podcast for so long. Like, please think about what you're doing when you play a welder deck particularly Senna Scorch. And I know I'm going to get a lot of haters, I'm get a lot of texts, a lot of DMs being like, JW, you are absolutely wrong. Let me show you my Senna Scorch list. My Senna Scorch list is different. My Senna Scorch list is good. I, I'll give it another 10 games before PC3, but I think even if I went Nine and one or ten and zero. Oh, I still don't think I could touch the deck. We were losing a mad party. We lost to an Eternatus Weezing deck. What do you want me to say? It was a slaughter out there, man. We got so low on the Elo ladder. We were playing Alolan Sand Slash Galarian Darmanitan decks. Which we won, by the way. In any case, if you if you came today, you're hoping to hear me say, please play Santa Scorch. Cannot recommend it less. What does a Santa Scorch less metagame, you know, mean? Well, maybe means a better field for Decidueye Goons, although some would argue that you know, Senna Scorch certainly is winnable, especially if you play Bird Keeper. Go ahead and ping those Volcanians. Get them out of there. I just can't recommend it less. We have a question in the chat. We're going to move on to chat questions here. I have a question about streaming PTCGO online using OBS or Streamlabs. That's a great question. So I use OBS to stream. I, I think there are a lot of great streamers right now that just stream for fun. That's another really cool thing that we've seen uh, in the last... Well, I mean, really over pandemic the last year, I've seen a lot of new people just get into streaming casually. I think that's great. Again, it's great for the game to have many different voices. You know, you don't like flavor A, you go to flavor B. You don't like flavor B, you go to flavor C. And all of a sudden, you wind up with the best flavor, chocolate chip cookie dough, and you're set for life. But I use OBS. If you're thinking ever about streaming PTCGO, it's the easiest thing to stream. 
It's the easiest thing to stream. The game does not take, you know, a huge load on your computer. It is simple and you really don't need an overlay. You can certainly do it. There are some really good overlay ideas. It gets a little difficult because you have the corners with the names, but if you don't really care about the names, you can certainly cover those up. But you have a lot of white space on the sides uh, where the board is. I think that makes it so good. You can put a lot of stuff in that space. Um, great game to stream, I think. But it's cool that we're developing, yeah, another kind of this ecosystem of streamers, right? You're pretty much always seeing, uh, at least during you know, peak hours, day and night, somebody that, you know, is a content creator streaming, right? Which is not something that you could say a year ago or two years ago. So people have a lot of choice right now. And that is, that is a beautiful thing. scrolling here in chat okay <laughs> somebody says here i don't know what a competitive charizard price would look like oh my goodness imagine if they made charizard v max I don't know what, to be competitive, what would you need to do to Charizard VMAX? You need to lower the energy requirement by two. Something like that. Duncan says, are you familiar with Yukimori clay cards? She is my favorite artist. Yes, we did actually. That was my profile a couple of weeks ago, actually. She is amazing. She does this in Heart Gold Soul Silver. She does a slugma that is just beautiful. <laughs> Dustin says, any tips on cards I could use in place of Rosa for standard? I think Rosa is probably your best bet. But if you are maybe if for some reason roses on the trade ladder are just very, very expensive. I don't know why. But instead of Rosa, I mean, maybe you could do something like uh, Cynthia and Caitlin. Like you can get back maybe a preferred supporter. If your preferred supporter is Marnie, maybe you can, you know, cheat your brain into thinking you're playing more Marnie. Play some Cynthia and Caitlin. I usually find that having bigger hands is good and that's one of the nice things about Rosa is that they kind of increase your hand size just over time, right? So maybe another card that increases your hand size. You could also think, I mean, Rosa, I'm trying to think about cards that have the property of Rosa. Opal comes to mind as something that, you know, searches out other cards. Now there's a 25% chance that it does nothing there's also a 25% chance that it opens your third eye and you become an all-powerful Pokemon master. So thank you guys so much. 
for tuning into the podcast. It was really a great time uh, tonight. Sorry that Riley couldn't be here. I know that there's probably a large contingent of you, larger than I want to even know, that are only here on Tag Team for Riley. But I hope I did an adequate job keeping you up to date with all the latest Pokemon musings and news. Once again, next week, listen out for the Battle Styles set covering. We're going to be looking at that set from the art to the attacks. There's some really unique and interesting attackers that I think a lot of people aren't talking about right now. Uh, So you won't want to miss that. Appreciate you guys hanging out with me here on Twitch. We'll be back again next week. Same time, different place if you're watching on Twitch. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. This has been Tag Team. I'm JW Crewall. I'll talk to you next week. See you later.